Hello, and welcome to the Battleline Podcast, where we have conversations on that collision of space between community, faith, and culture. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Satterley, and here with me is the Director of Publications, my co-host on this podcast, my co-host in life, Major Jamie Satterley. Jamie, how are you doing today? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. It's been a little bit of a Monday already, <laughs> but it's okay. Listen, the sun is shining. It's supposed to be almost 80 degrees today, so I am happy. You know, I'm a happy I th- girl. I think when we do these, you give us the weather nearly I know, every time. I do. So I'm going to start saying, I'm going to throw it to our meteorologist, <laughs> Major Chavy Saturday. Listen, I can't help it because my desk, the way my desk faces when I'm at my computer, it, there's a giant window there, so I can't help but see the sunshine or the lack of sunshine. Can you still see the Capitol building from your window? Yes, I can because only because there are no leaves on the trees, but they are doing construction in the building right across from us and their scaffolding is starting to block my view, which I don't love, but uh, you know, they got work to do. So I'm just going to let them do their thing over there. Uh, Yeah. Listen, I just heard this morning though, that even though it's supposed to be almost 80 today, we might get snow flurries on Wednesday and I am not okay with that. I'm going to need Mother Nature to make up her mind. Well, I don't know what to say to that. (laughs) So we also have with us here our co-host and producer, our media manager, the one who makes this whole thing absolutely run. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I am totally rad. Are you ready for the snow, sun snow? I wasn't going to mention it, but I put away my snow boots yesterday. What am I going to do? <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't come true. I just want the 80s to stay around. <laughs> I want my sandal weather. <laughs> yep. I was eyeing uh, I was eyeing some sandals over oh, the weekend. Oh, so that's fantastic. But then I was like, oh, it's going to snow again. Maybe I should wait. <laughs> Thumbs down emoji. What is this? <laughs> this is March. <laughs> All right. So in today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what the Salvation Army is doing in Eastern Europe to help um, with the situation between Russia and the Ukraine. The Salvation Army has been present in these countries um, and is still there doing work, uh, serving uh, those who are displaced, um, you know, feeding those who are still there in in the Ukrainian towns, and even uh, on the Russian side of the border, the Salvation Army is there serving the the Russian citizens who have also been affected. And so, we want to share a few uh, a few things about what the Salvation Army is doing amongst this situation, but also um, because we talk a lot about youth culture and youth ministry, we also want to talk just a few tips on how to talk to your kids about what is happening uh, between Russia and Ukraine. So what is the Salvation Army doing in the Ukraine and in Russia and the surrounding country since then? Well, first, you need to know that the Salvation Army has been in Russia since 1913. So we've been there over 100 years. We've, of course, had to close down for a while because this little thing called the Soviet Union would not allow the Salvation Army to exist. So the work reopened in 1991, which I was eight years old, nine years old. So it's still very fresh there. The Salvation Army has been in the Ukraine since 1993. Just remember, there are Salvationist officers and soldiers in Russia. And so we pray for the people of Ukraine. And we also pray for our brothers and sisters who are in Russia. Yeah, I think that's also a good thing to remember. And I I do feel like I'm seeing a lot of this on social media and the news is just a reminder that just because the government of Russia is doing all these things doesn't mean that the Russian people 
Very good are on board with it. Um, and so they are suffering. The Russian people are suffering because they're the ones also that are having to deal with all of like these sanctions and all of these countries who are pulling out. That's f- I mean, a lot of that, the weight of that is falling on the Russian people. Uh, and so um, I think we just have to to keep that in mind that is as angry uh, as we are against the Russian government, the people of Russia are suffering. So the Salvation Army in Eastern Europe is the Eastern Europe Territory and the Russian Command are having the they're starting up their emergency disaster teams like we would do here in the United States whenever a national natural disaster comes through or even when a disaster a man-made disaster rolls through. The Salvation Army is there. But you have to remember the Salvation Army in Europe is much smaller than it is anywhere else in the world. So there's no big canteens like we would have rolling in here, right? So in Moldova, the country of Moldova, um, there is refugee work. Remember, folks, as of this morning, 1.5 million Ukrainian refugees spilling out of the country into the neighboring countries, which are all the ones we're going to list. So refugee work is happening um, with the Salvation Army and with, this is what I love, to see many charities, many churches, many organizations helping out with all of the refugees that are spilling out of Ukraine. So in Moldova, we're doing refugee work, provided sheltering and Wi-Fi, which I love because that's such a need now, right? (laughs) Wi-Fi has become almost a basic uh, human need in the world. Uh, They're feeding people and they have have, uh, as of the other day, we're able to accommodate 288 people at uh, uh, in housing things at the uh, Moldova Salvation Army. Yeah. Also, when they as they house people, they're feeding them. They're providing hygiene packs, so pillows, linens, blankets, soap, shampoo, all of those kind of things. They're also um, taking food and items for infants, which we know we've, you've heard these horrible stories probably about how they're running out of formula and baby food and all these kind of things in the Ukraine. And so, uh, in Moldova, they've been able to take some food and some baby items uh, right up to the border to be taken into the children's hospital there in Odessa. Um, the Ukrainian military is helping to take those items, uh, from the border over to the hospital. Um, and yes, that's also Romania. They're meeting people at the border crossings with those food and hygiene items. But we also have to remember what the Salvation Army is doing in Ukraine and in Russia. The Salvation Army Corps are still there and still serving. Uh, I, I know I'm going to pronounce this wrong, so forgive me, Ukraine, but the Venitsa Corps um, – made they they're in ukraine they prepared they turned their core into a shelter they made 17 um units housing units beds i don't know what you want to say available and are being able to accommodate 17 people uh of their fellow ukrainians who have been displaced now again it's easy for us to go oh 17 people that's not that much you know we want our numbers to be got 17 people each one of those is a person that has a place to sleep tonight because of what the Salvation Army is doing. And let's not forget what the Salvation Army is doing in Russia. There are Russian Salvationists who are also, like Major Jamie said, providing items, the food, hygiene items for people um, in those areas uh, and, uh, that are affected as well. Yeah, so there's this uh, this story. Uh, it's great. I say it's not a, You can't say great story, right, because it's all – uh, incredibly tragic, um, but th- where the, how the Salvation Army is able to meet needs. One of the things, one of the stories that's coming out of this uh, mission that the Salvation Army is is doing in the Ukraine um, 
is with these babies that are being born in the subways. So you've probably seen some news about babies that were taken from like the NICU into the subways. But there are also have been, as of March the 4th, 22 babies born in a subway in Kiev. Um, and the Salvation Army heard about these babies. And so they were able to take diapers and formula and hygiene products Um some of these babies born prematurely just because of the stress that yeah. the mothers are, are under. But if we can just, I mean, I can't, I can't fathom giving birth in a subway, but the Salvation Army is there trying to help these mothers to get them the supplies uh, that they need. And, and just to round out the last of the Balkan states, um, Poland, the Czech Republic and Slovakia are all neighboring countries of the Ukraine who have taken on uh, refugees and the Salvation Army is they are doing that refugee work, sheltering, feeding, hygiene kits, one of the many, many organizations and charities that are there. So again, one when we wrote this, it was a million refugees. As of this morning, when I watched the news, it was 1.5 million refugee, refugees, expecting it to go as high as 4 million here, uh, perhaps by the end of the month of people who are uh, getting out of Ukraine. Um, for the most updated stats that you want to see, and if you want to find ways to help, we would encourage you. You'll remember last episode, we talked to SASO, Salvation Army World Services Organization, who was very interested. They have an amazing webpage that they are constantly updating. So go to www.sasso.com. That's S-A-W-S-O dot org. You can lead people there um, about every couple of days as news comes out and things change. They're able to update each individual country that we just went through, Moldova, Romania, all those that are helping out. Um, you can learn more and there's a way to donate there because we're going to talk here in a minute. How can what can we do to help? How can we uh, talk over this anxiety? All right. So anything else, Elizabeth, Major Jamie, that you want to say about what the Salvation Army is doing before we move to our third and final uh Portion now, I would, here. Yeah, I would just say that uh, if you go there, if you go to that Sasso page that Matt is talking about, you can see um, we just mentioned a couple of them, but there, the Salvation Army is also, you know, uh, doing work in in Poland and Slovakia, Czech Republic, all these places to kind of help uh, these neighboring countries that are accepting refugees. But there's also a great map there that shows the, where the locations are of the Salvation Armies that's in the Ukraine. Uh, or yeah, and in Ukraine, sorry, and um, you can see kind of how they're spread all over the country uh, doing this mission. So if you check out that page, you'll be able to see a lot of great uh, information, photos, maps, all those kind of things. All right, for our last thing here, again, as we talk about youth and youth ministry, we want to say, what are our kids dealing with? Our our high schoolers, our college kids, even your, your elementary age kids, your preschool age kids. So we just want to talk a couple of steps here um, that have been helpful. These um, are just uh, taken from multiple websites, multiple uh, things, also just some of our own experience that we've dealt with this again at all. Um, and these but, things... Sorry, they pertain they pertain directly to the situation, but really in any time where there are times of anxiety or times of stress, these are all tips that you can use just to help kids navigate stressful situations. I, I think uh, you've seen in, I don't know if you've seen the articles I have, of course, with the work that we do with the current appointment that we're in, but like a lot of Gen Zers are using memes and dark humor um, to sort of get across their... Uh, um, feelings about this. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Okay. So I think sometimes when we see like dark humor and we're like, Oh my gosh, like when you make fun of death and things like that, 
it is. There's, there's just, a fine line, right? But it's yeah. definitely a coping a mechanism. Yeah. All right. So I think it's just another indicator like, hey, let's talk through, let's talk through this. How, what are you feeling? Which is what we're probably one of the first steps, right? Yeah. Is to, to talk again, uh, not, not just in this situation, but in a multitude of situations with our kids, just talking about it is a great first step. Yeah. Right. Sometimes we think, I think like if I, if I just don't say anything about it or if I just hide it away, they won't worry about it or they won't do that thing or they won't, you know, but that's not true. We know that that's not true. Um, and so just simply engaging in conversation with your kids is going to go a long way. Yeah. All right. So if you've got a paper and pen at home or if you've got your phone, maybe this is one of some things. First off, it is talk, but you want to watch your own, especially well, words. We, you want to watch your own words, actions and attitudes, especially around younger children, your elementary school age children. Not that we, like Major Jamie said, not that we like put a sugar coating over everything, but that we are just making sure if you have the C, if you have the news on, if you have CNN on all day long, never changing the channel, like that affects people. It affects the people. It affects your own attitude. It affects the people uh, in your uh, house as well. So first off, just make sure that you yourself are being honest and and making sure that you watch a little news, but then turn it off and get away from it. Go ahead. Make yeah, sure. I think it, it's just about being self-aware. Um, and I th- I th- again, I think it's always a good thing that to do in any situation is for us to understand how are we feeling about this? How are we internalizing it? How may it be spilling over into our lives with our kids or our youth groups and understanding and being aware of that so that we know like, oh, that this this is what they they may be picking up on this a little bit again not to hide it from them but just to to kind of be aware so that uh, we can understand what they might be receiving you've heard me say on this podcast before there are sometimes people who are goose people right people i said a goose it's gross but a goose poops every 7 minutes and there are people who poop on everything every few minutes they're just like that that idea is never going to work we're never going to get out of this can i tell you that goose people thrive in times like this when they turn on the news and it's bad news everywhere goose people are always like here we go. I told you it was going to be like this. Why should we ever, why should we plan for the future? Why should we change things when the world's just a terrible dark place? Is it? Yes. But we do not need to be goose people to our children. And we definitely don't need goose people in our lives all the time. All right. So make sure you're not a goose people. Watch your words, actions, and attitudes when you're with your kids and when you're just around anybody. Number two, just be aware. If you're taking That's what we're sco- saying. just be aware. Taking score at home. Major Jamie just hit on it a little bit. Talk about it. There is something about this American or Western civilization thing where we're like, if I just grip my jaw and and stand in there and push it ta- down. Push it down. Take it like a man. Take it like a woman. You know, then uh Everybody will know that I have it together. And we have found through society that that does not necessarily work. Yeah, not always the healthiest coping mechanism. So yes, ask your kids. And here's the thing, not just what are they feeling, but also what are they hearing? Because I guarantee you they're hearing uh, things, even if you think 
like you've been really careful or you think that they've not been exposed to a lot in your home, they are hearing about it from their friends. And if you've ever spent any time with kids and have a conversation with them about what they're hearing from your friends, you will know that the facts often get very jumbled. (laughs) Also, I think just a good tip to always know when you're talking with kids and talking with adults is, folks, feelings can't be wrong. Okay. When a kid says, I'm feeling this way, or a person says to you, I'm feeling this way, it is very wrong of us to be like, no, that's not right. Like that you're, you know, that you can't be, why would you be feeling like this? That's ridiculous. Feelings can't be wrong, right? That that's how a person's feeling. That's how it is. I know you think you know better. I know, I think I know better sometimes on how somebody else is feeling. But if a kid says, this is how I'm feeling, if a person says, this is how I'm feeling, then you at least have to be able to say, I acknowledge that that is the truth for them right now in this moment. Not capital T truth, biblical truth, feeling truth. That's how they're feeling. And to say, no, that's wrong. Why are you scared right now? That's ridiculous. That's a terrible thing to say to right. a kid. So their their feelings aren't wrong. The facts that are informing their feelings might be wrong. And so again, that's why we say, what are you hearing? Or what, what, when they say I'm feeling scared, okay, what is making you feel scared? And then we can kind of correct those misconceptions, but their feeling about those matters is valid. Right. And we don't, we don't ever want to give our kids reasons to shut down sharing their feelings with us. Right. So acknowledge their feelings. Um, but certainly, you know, try to figure out what what is causing these feelings and how can I help uh, inform those facts or what it is they're hearing. Ask a lot of questions. Be willing to let the kid or the other person do way more of the talking than you. OK, when it's not an opportunity, a, 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 your seven year old is not your therapist who you're just going to unload how you're feeling on the situation. That goes back to number one. Ask them. You talk, you ask questions, but then we stop talking and we let them talk to us. All right. I also think it's important for us to realize when we're acknowledging their feelings that they may be scared and you might feel like some of their feelings are maybe disproportionate to a situation. I think we need to just kindly remind ourselves that for kids, small children especially, the pandemic has taken up a significant portion of, of their lives, right? So yes, it's all been the same two years, but two years is a, a bigger chunk when you're talking about a child that's nine than you are when you're talking to a person that's 40. Um, so they're already feeling, uh, like we are, we just, we know from studies that are being released that the mental health epidemic that's happening in our children right now is greater than we've ever seen before. So this is just another thing on top of another thing on top of another thing. And so feelings may be big and they may seem disproportionate. Uh, Even like, let's set aside Ukraine, but say our kids might be acting out in other ways. You know, they lost a school paper and all of a sudden it's the end of the world. We have to remember a lot of times it's not just that one thing that is affecting them. It's the pot, it's Ukraine on top of pandemic, on top of not going to school for a year, on top of all these things. And sometimes they, it just blows up. Yep. We just need to be prepared to help them navigate that. Is it no wonder that the, like we talk about the memes and the dark humor that you get from Gen Z, when for two years we've been told death is at your doorstep. And you you step outside, you could die. 
And it just affects not just the mental health of kids, but all of us every day. It's only if there was someone who was bigger and timeless and outside of time and unconditional love that we could run to and things. Oh, that's right. We have that in Jesus. All right. Number three, for your, uh, if you're taking score at home. So one, first off, watch your own words and actions and attitude Two, talk it over. And three, what action can be taken? Courage comes. Courage grows as we do something, as we have a plan to, uh, to attack the thing that we're scared of. So what actions can be taken? What can little Billy, five-year-old Billy do to help the people of Ukraine? Or what can we do to help? Yeah, I think that's good. There are a lot of things that can be done uh, to help volunteering with organizations who are gathering supplies and things, donating money. Um, If you're in a place where refugees are coming in, what can you do to volunteer to help in those situations? Um, Also, sometimes it it may make a kid feel better. Perhaps not in this situation, but when we're talking about disaster preparedness, it may feel better for them to help you put together a disaster preparedness kit. That may be reassuring to their mind. So again, this is part of just hearing, uh, hearing what they're feeling, hearing what they're hearing, and say, okay, how can we navigate this together? What can we do? What can we do to help others? And what can we do that will help you feel safer? I uh, heard about the other day, uh, the sunflower is the national flower of the Ukraine. Um, And so some kids, uh, some schools are just having kids color sunflowers and they're putting them up on the school wall, the hallway, just so that people can see like, this is something for a kid to do. He's working through, she's working through her feelings by just coloring millions of sunflowers. I mean, some cities are putting, have these whole full art exhibits and stuff. So again, if, if that is as simple for you, for your own anxiety of just posting the Ukrainian flag as your Facebook profile for a bit, that's fine. All right. But action, uh, it's just good to, to have an action, to have a, to have a, um, a plan. All right. And the fourth, this is just sort of postscript to the end of this safety reiterate to kids over and over again that they are safe. All right. They just got it. Cause if kids keep hearing I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. Then that just completely calms the situation down. All right. So that fourth is again, just sort of an end cap to all of this. Anything else, Major Jamie, you want to say there? No, I would just say, obviously that there are sometimes there are going to be some situations in where it's not safe, but again, um, just kind of reemphasizing to them, what, what can we do? Here are the things that we can do. These are the things that we've done so that we, you know, we are as safe as we can be. These are the things that we're doing to work toward safety. We want to give you, we've done this on the podcast before, but I'm going to give you Matt Satterley's, the three things that help me, my three steps to dealing with anxiety in my own life. We've done this on past episodes. So I'm just going to hit these real quick because as an adult, you may be terrified about what you're hearing on the other side of the world. You may be uh, scared to death. You may have super high anxiety about this. So these are just three things that have helped me. Maybe they'll help you. Take it for what it's worth. If it doesn't help you, um, then there's other things you can do. And if it's severe anxiety, go talk to somebody. Find a licensed professional or somebody like that who you can talk through these things. All right. So in times of anxiety, here's what I do if you're keeping score at home. 
put a little line. Here's the next three steps. Seven total. Four for the kids, three for you. Number one, pray about it. Pray about it. And I don't mean like, don't just throw that out there. Like, Lord, please help me with this. Like, pray about it. Put it in the hands of the one who probably the things half, most of the stuff we worry about, only God can take care of anyway. So be praying about it. And we should have mentioned that. And I think it was, it was, um, implied, but let me just say it out. We need to be praying for what's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now, praying for them, believing that that Lord can and will do something. So that's the first step that helps me is pray. Just pray, pray, pray constantly, right? Pray continually, I think is what it says to us in First Thessalonians. The second step that I have is take as much human action as you possibly can. Do as much as you possibly can to alleviate that worry. All right. And then the last step for me is uh, you have to let it go. And that is the hardest by far. So pray one, two, do everything uh, humanly possible. Take as much action as you can. And then three, uh, you have to just put the worry on the altar and walk away. Now, will that worry come back? Probably. (laughs) More major, probably. And when it does, then uh, like Brian McKnight, you start it back at one. So check out that (laughs) 90s reference. So you pray when that worry comes up, you pray right back. Uh, You bring it again before the Lord. Is there anything humanly I can do about this? If you've done everything you possibly can, then you then you let it go. All right. So that's a little bit about the Ukraine, Russia, what the situation is, what the army's doing, and maybe some things that will help you in talking with kids or your young people um, and maybe even yourself, even in the darkest times. The Lord uh, still speaks joy and abundant life to us. So let's ask those questions. All right. What is still uh, giving you joy out there? Let me go first. I'll go first because since I have sort of a transition statement, and that is I, I love turning on the news and watching the world almost in one voice say no to this that they're all coming together as one to help out. I love the individual companies are starting to be like, no, we don't, we're not recognizing with this and they're pulling out of places. I just, I love that. That is, is what's giving me joy right now. Again, it hurts because it affects the Russian people, but um, I think it just makes me smile a little bit. The world is not being apathetic about this. The world's not just going, wringing their hands and going, what are we going to do? Or saying, you know, it's well, it's on the other side of the world. That's their problem. Yeah, it's their I problem. I just love that. That's what's giving me joy right now. In a time that's these recent years have been so divisive. Oh. To see a little bit of unity coming together um, for a great cause. Mine kind of ties in along with that. Um, I saw a video the other day of, uh, I believe it was in Berlin, when refugees were getting off the train in Berlin, and you had all these citizens in Berlin that were sitting there with signs that were like, come stay at my house. You need a place to stay? Come stay at my house. And I, it helped for me to restore, I don't say I want to restore my hope in humanity, but I think it was just a beautiful picture of the world coming together to do something right to do this is what i can do i have a bed come stay in my house people who and would never have you know talked to each other all of a sudden now it's like you're in a different country but you're still my brother and i've got compassion kindness love for you excellent point so well, that was my tag along to yours but i have another joy okay share my the joy that i was planning on sharing <laughs> yes go ahead um is nature noise nature oh. noise is my joy this Ta-ka! week Ta-ka! Yeah, not that noise <laughs> 
I take it back. <laughs> so we were able to go this weekend. Sun was shining. It was in the 60s, so it was lovely. Um, so we were able to go to this. It's not a nature preserve. I don't know what they call that thing. It's called Huntley Meadows Park. Um, and so they have like a little, it's a path, a little hiking trail type thing. And then they have a little boardwalk that kind of juts out over this marsh, marshy area. Some places, I guess it's really deep, but uh, right along the edges of the boardwalk, it's very marshy. And so you can see spring happening. All these little turtles are sunning themselves on the logs. You look down and you can see the tadpoles or the, I learned not learned, relearned, I guess. I had forgotten that the stage between tadpole and frog is called a froglet, which I think is a very lazy term, but that's a question for another day. <laughs> um, but you can just see the birds. You can hear the birds are starting to chirp. Uh, you can, I can hear spring arriving, and it just brought me a lot of joy on Saturday. Elizabeth, how about you? What's giving you joy? Wrap us up, ma'am. Okay. So we've talked about coffee milk, but have uh -huh. you ever tried vanilla water? What? This is vanilla not a thing. Water. You're making this up. This is I not was, a thing. I was just gingerly strolling through the grocery store and there it was. It's sparkling vanilla water. Who and so makes, I had to try it. I had who, to try it. Who makes this abomination? The giant, just your classic <laughs> grocery. And so I got it home. I poured it in my glass. And you know what it tastes like? Vanilla water. Literally <laughs> vanilla with water. It's incredible. <laughs> Is it like cream soda, but not sweet? I don't know. I, I, it definitely tastes just like sparkling water with vanilla flavoring. So it's not like a sugary concoction. Okay. But Interesting. It is amazing. I am so excited to find out what other flavors they've added to water. I keep, I keep trying to get into <laughs> sparkling, like yeah. flavored sparkling water, like LaCroix or whatever, oh, but I just sure. have not been able to. Jamie, no. share your opinion. Tell them, tell me, to, tell the public so, what you yeah, said, what you told me about sparkling water. My theory about sparkling water, sparkling water, whatever flavor of sparkling water <laughs> you're drinking tastes like what would happen if you ate that thing and then burp, <gasps> right? So if you're drinking grapefruit, <laughs> sparkling water. What it tastes like is if I ate a grapefruit and then burped. Burp water. That's what we call it. Fruit burp How water. <laughs> that's what we call it. Our the Saturday oh burp water. Fruit burp water. Wow. I keep, but like, listen, I'm all I'm all on board with. We shouldn't be drinking is calories for me. I need to definitely sweet tea. It's in my veins. I need to find a, an alternative, but I just can't with the burp water. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying, but it is not working. All right. Well. As we close out Burp Water, that's going to end this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Battle Line wherever you listen to podcasts and check out the Peer website at peermag.org, especially work at camp. You want to go and work at camp this summer. Go there right now. Stop what you're doing. Well, after we close and then go there and make sure you're working at camp. Tell all your friends, tell all your kids, tell all your college friends. Go work at camp this summer. It's amazing. You'll have the time of your life. Follow Peer on the socials at peer.magazine. Until next time, this has been the Battleline Podcast. Bye. See ya.